Hey everybody, welcome to the Crush Hail Academy podcast. I am your host, Bob Argyle, and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 1. Today's topic is this, get mad and then get over it. Sit back and relax, and welcome to today's episode. So welcome back, everybody. Can you believe it? Season two. And um, it's been a couple weeks since I've done my last podcast. And um, things have just been a little crazy. It's been crazy in a good way, but still been, um, we're finishing up the storm out in Jamestown and the Buffalo, New York areas. Um, That's winding down. We've got a couple of shops still going strong out there. But for the most part, most of our guys have moved on. And uh, a couple weeks back, we had another storm a little closer to home, just east of Syracuse in Rome, New York. And uh, it was kind of nice. The Jamestown storm was just kind of finishing up, and bam, we got hit again. Um, Haven't had that big storm yet this year, but for us, uh, we've got a crew of about six guys that we try to keep busy all the time. Uh, We'll call in uh, the Dent Smart team if needed. Uh, from the other markets but so far we've been kind of handling it on our own and uh, keeping it small and keeping it all and it's been it's been good so this storm that hit up in Rome we've got a few shops going up there right now and uh, just cranking along but between kind of closing out the Jamestown Buffalo storm and uh, starting up the Rome storm it's just been it's been kind of hectic and you couple in school activities and everything else going on. I haven't had a chance to record another podcast. So it's nice. I wanted to get back into my office, my studio, (laughs) which is basically just my office, and um, record another podcast. I had a couple hours today, so I figured I would bang this one out. But something that's been on my mind lately, um, through my warrior journey, and and, um, we're having a lot of conversations with some of the men inside of the warrior group. And um, we're talking about a number of profound things. Um, and in addition to that, there's I'm constantly reading and just uh, studying different topics um, to kind of, I guess, educate me on the human condition. I mean, we're all human. And um, sometimes when you really sit back and you really think about what makes us tick, um, it's pretty impressive and you can get caught up in it. And, um, I, I spent a lot of time over the past couple weeks thinking about a pretty profound topic. And the topic is this, most people can look back on their life and they can identify two or three major, uh, life changing events that literally changed, completely changed the trajectory of their lives like altered their course completely and completely changed their worldview. If you, if you really think on it, I think I would challenge you to think on this and, and see if you can figure out the, the, I guess, defining moments in your life. For me, it was my mother's death and it was my divorce about four years ago. 
My mother passed away back when I was uh, 19. I'm 43 today, just turned 43 uh, this month. And uh, I'm finding that it had just a very profound effect on my life. Just to give you a little background on um, my mother, she was an unbelievable woman. She was loved by everybody. Um, I had a good childhood. When I think back on my childhood, um, you know, nobody's perfect. Our family wasn't perfect by any means, but I played sports. I had a lot of friends. Uh, I grew up in the suburbs. Um, my mother and father were married uh, right up until the day she passed away. And um, if I look back on it, I, th I think I had a pretty damn good childhood. So I grew up happy. When my mother passed away, uh, I was 19 years old. I was still living at home. Actually, I think I had just moved back to, home, to the house. Like I had moved out and tried living on my own for a while with a bunch of buddies. And uh, for whatever reason, that didn't work. So I think I had moved back home. But I remember the day she passed away or the day that she was in her car accident. I was living at home. Um... I was going through a pretty nasty breakup with my, I don't know, childhood, what do they call them, high school sweethearts. And I was down in the dumps, feeling sorry for myself. Um, and this caused me, this caused some conflict with my mother and I, because quite frankly, I was being an asshole. And I remember the night before my mother got in the accident, um, her and I had it out pretty good. And I was copping an attitude with her. And that was the first and last time my mother ever really laid a hand on me. She slapped me across the face. I had kind of bucked up and gotten up in her face. Uh, I was disrespecting her. And she wasn't having it. And man, she cold cocked me right across the face. And I remember that moment and um, at the time not knowing the events, how they were going to play out over the next couple of days. Um, I stormed off. I think I left the house, spent the rest of the night out. I don't, I don't know, doing God knows what. And I had come home and I had gone to bed. And the next morning, my folks were supposed to be going on a, a trip. They were going on a, a vacation to see some friends. So we had a, a family cat, Harley. My mother absolutely loved this cat. And, um, she wanted to, we had to get the cat to the vet. That was her one thing she had to do before they were able to leave. They were leaving my sister and I home, and they were going off on this vacation. You know, my sister and I were uh, growing up and uh, moving out or, you know, moving on, I should say, with life and, and moving into college years and stuff like that. So um, they had this vacation planned. It was going to be just them, and they were really looking forward to it. But she had to get the cat to the vet. So she came upstairs and uh, leave it to my mother. Um it was, it's quite obvious to me now that she did not want to leave on that note. She wanted to mend some fences, although um, it was really on me to be the bigger person and go up and apologize to my mother. Um, she wasn't going to wait for that. She came upstairs, she woke me up, and she wanted me to ride with her to the vet to drop the cat off. Um, that morning, I was still feeling sorry for myself, and uh, I told her no. I said, no, I don't want to go. I'm going to stay home. And what she said to me as she walked away, um, 
the words that she said to me haunt, literally haunted me for the rest of my life, up until recently when I was able to deal with some of this stuff. Um, as she's walking away, I told her no. As she's walking away, she said, you know what? Someday you're going to wish that you spent more time with me. And that was the last thing she ever said to me. She walked down the stairs and out of my life for good. And um, within the next hour, uh, she had been um, in a car accident and somebody had cut over the center line. And, um, you know, she spent the next few days um, in the hospital and ultimately passed away. So the events around my mom's death looking back at it now, and it was only after years of, of therapy and um, really um, peeling back the layers of the onion and thinking about this, that I realized that that completely and totally shattered my worldview. I kind of liken it to the, the years prior to her death, looking back at it now, um, visually, I, I figuratively, it, it was like a beautiful sunny day for the first 19 years of my life. And then one day, the clouds set in, the overcast skies came, and the frame that I viewed my life through became tinted by this haze. It's kind of like a lot of the color just left my life around that time. And looking back now, I see the years and years of depression that I dealt with because I never confronted the feelings that I had, the feelings of anger, the feelings of blame, the feelings of guilt and, and shame. I carried this new worldview all the way through my 20s. I lived a self-destructive lifestyle. And I continued to carry it even further down the road into my marriage. These feelings of just inadequacy, being angry, feeling like the, the sky is falling type of shit. And I hid. I hid this from everybody around me. Every time I was in a social setting or some sort of social situation, I was, I look back now, I was the life of the party. I was the center of attention. I thrived on that. And I would put on this act and then I would go home and I would sink into this depression. Because deep down, I was ashamed of myself. I felt that I had let my father I felt that I'd let my sister, I felt that I'd let all these people down in my life. Like, I would tell myself, if I had just gotten out of bed that morning, I could have completely changed the, the course of my, my entire family. I put all this shit on me. I was the reason my mother had passed away. And I look back at it now and I see how unhealthy that was. As much as I hate to say it, it was, it was her time. It was her time. 
And I carried, I continued to carry this, these feelings of dread all the way into my marriage. Never really, um, never really speaking up for what I wanted because I didn't feel like I was worthy of speaking up for what I wanted. I felt like I was basically, it was a life sentence because of my actions because of what I pulled that morning, I ruined my life and my family's life. And it led to, I developed social anxiety to a point where I had to drink to feel comfortable with others. And I started to associate drinking with connection. Like if I wanted to connect with others, if I wanted to go out and I wanted to um you know, be around other people, I would have a couple drinks to kind of numb the anxiety, to numb the pain a little bit, to put on my game face, to be able to go out and interact with people and act quote unquote normal. And I see that these emotions left unchecked for 20 years, ultimately contributed to the destruction of my marriage. And damaged a number of important relationships in my life. Because I didn't deal with the feelings the right way. So I had the first life event that happened. There was nothing I could do about it. It happened. Bad things happen to us in life. But because I chose not to deal with those feelings, because I chose to suppress and to hide it literally just tainted the next 20 years of my life. And it had such a profound effect on how I lived my life and um, the relationships that I had in my life. It affected everything to my spiritual connection. It affected my, uh, my health. I was stressed. I had blood pressure issues. I was on all sorts of medications. I was disconnected from my kids and my family. I turned into a complete workaholic when I was married. So I spent a lot of time on, on the road because I was an avoider. I would just I would I learned to avoid feelings. I learned to avoid everything. And I just I got this weird kind of tunnel vision. And to me, happiness turned into success in business. Like that was what made me happy. It wasn't connecting with my wife. It wasn't being home with my children. It wasn't being in good physical shape. It wasn't having a good spiritual connection with God or a higher power, whatever that is to you. Um, it was, I, I just turned into the prototypical nice guy. And if you've listened to any of my prior episodes or if you've seen any of my blogs or um, my posts on Instagram, we know that the nice guy is anything but nice. The nice guy is somebody that lies to himself about what he truly wants and lies to others about how he's feeling and pretends to be this nice guy, but really deep down, he's not. Really deep down, he's, you know, he's dying inside. So I look back, I, I looked at that first experience that I had with my mother passing and how I dealt with that. And then I looked at the second significant um, profound event in my life, which was my divorce. 
So I didn't deal with the feelings correctly the first time. The second time was different for me. The second major life-altering event, my divorce, I dealt with this entirely different. Not right off the bat. It took me a while to kind of get into this place where I wanted to look inward. I wanted to see why I continued to be destructive in life in general. Why I was here. Why am I in this place right now? And over the next couple of years, through therapy, I started to deal with these feelings. It was kind of the wake-up call that I needed for years and years. It forced me to take a good, hard look in the mirror at the man that I had become. The man that had become a workaholic. The man that had become an avoider. The man that had become a wandering generality in this game of life. Countless failed business deals. Constantly starting over every single year. You know, being in the hail business, our business basically resets annually. <laughs> so we have a, a season where we have to make all of our money for the entire year. And if we have a good season, we're able to do that. If we have a bad season, things get a little dicey. But then the next year, it was a reset. Never putting, never being smart with my finances. Never setting money aside. Never saving. Never setting aside college savings. Never, uh, you know, uh, saving retirement. Anything like that. It was always just hand to mouth. And it, I see now that it was because I had this short-term outlook on life. I had always felt like I had one foot in the grave. Like somewhere, somewhere soon down the road, I am going to pay for being the terrible person that I am. And it affected all areas of my life. My relationships, my physical health, everything. I look back and I see that all those years, I would build shit up. And then I would find a way to burn it down. My relationships, I would build it up and then I would self-sabotage. I would find a way to burn it down. My businesses, same exact thing. It wasn't healthy. No matter what the situation, I would self-sabotage. So I spent some time in therapy and I began to really get a better perspective on what was going on inside of me. And I learned that these feelings I had been holding in for all these years since my mom's death were quite literally killing me. Blood pressure through the roof. I was a young man. I was a fairly active man. It turned into gut issues. I had gut issues. It was literally killing me inside. Constantly stressed out about shit. But again... I'd go out into a social situation. I'd put the smile on. Although I was dying inside and I was unhappy and I was depressed, I couldn't let anybody know it. And I damn sure as hell didn't want my family to know. I felt I owed it to them with the shit that went down around my mother's death. I owed it to them to always be upbeat, always be positive. 
And no, and because of this, nobody knew the shit that was going on inside of me, inside of my head. So I dealt with it. The second major life issue, I've dealt with it in a completely different way, in a healthier way. I've begun to look at these feelings that I've had and process them and deal with them. And through the warrior movement, there's tools that we use to literally get rid of these feelings and address them. You basically pull them out. You look at them. You dissect them. Why am I feeling this way? And then you release them and you get rid of them and you move on clear with peace in your heart. And it wasn't until I truly started to deal with the feelings and these emotions that I've been holding on to all of these years around her death that I was able to begin getting my life together. Dealing with these feelings in this pit, in this cesspool inside of me, finally dealing with these feelings and not suppressing them ultimately allowed me to forgive myself for the events around my mother's death. I found that I hadn't forgiven myself. It allowed me to forgive others for shit that I had been holding on regarding other people in my life and shit that they had done to me. It allowed me to forgive my ex-wife and other players in that whole scenario around how my divorce went down. It finally allowed me to forgive these people. And the point I'm making is that if we hold these feelings in, we're never going to grow. We're always going to be stuck. We will never give ourselves permission to move on and live our lives as long as we're holding on to these feelings of anger and shame and guilt and blame. We'll be stuck in the past. We'll be bitter. We'll be angry. We'll be victims. Always pointing fingers at everyone else but ourselves. But the one we need to be pointing our fingers at. And it's only through this process that you can begin to start shedding some of these feelings that we're holding in. Nobody can save us. The only ones that can save us is ourselves. So we have to choose to do the work every single day day. We have to choose to to look inward, to deep dive into ourselves and pull these feelings out and dissect them and explore them. And then once we've extracted the lesson out of that as to what those feelings meant to us, only then can we discard them and we can we move on. And we have to do this consistently. And again, through the warrior movement, we have tools that allow us, you know, being angry is a feeling that we're allowed to have. We're allowed to be angry. Everybody gets angry. But if we hold on to that anger, that's where we truly start killing ourselves inside. So through these tools, we've learned how to deal with these feelings in a healthier way and then to release them into the universe and move on with our lives. And we do this consistently through a process called the stack. Now, I can't talk too much about it because it's 
not my process. I've learned the process, but I will say this for anybody that is dealing with these same issues. All right. I would suggest that you go to wakeupwarrior.com. Watch the video. If it's something that connects with you, it's literally changed my life and thousands of men's lives. Because for so long, men have been told that they cannot share their feelings. It's not what men do. Men don't cry, right? How many times have you heard that? And what it's done is it's, it's just created a generation of men that are ticking time bombs because they don't know how to process their feelings. And next thing you know, they're going into schools and shooting up a school or shooting up a post office or sh- shooting up a shopping mall or beating their partners, beating their wives, beating their kids because they have no way to deal with this anger inside of them. And if you're a man, I'm not saying that you're one of, that's an extreme example. But if you're a man, all right, and you're dealing with some of these emotions and these feelings and you don't know how to deal with them in a healthy way, check out wakeupwarrior.com or reach out to me personally and I'd be happy to talk you through it. You got to get the bad feelings out. We have a process called release the rage. And I do this in my car on a regular basis, little tiny triggers that we don't notice at the time. Somebody does something stupid at work. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You continue to bottle that shit up until eventually you blow your stack. You show up and you you lose your temper with your kids or you lose your temper with your wife or you say something stupid to them that you shouldn't say. You don't mean that. It's because you have all this rage built up inside of you and you didn't know how to release it. So we have a process called release the rage, and that's what we do. We literally release it in a safe way because as men, we got to get this out. You have to get this out, and this is a process that can be taught. This is a process that's helping thousands of men across the world. So wakeupwarrior.com or reach out to me, and I'd be happy to talk you through it. So that's it. This had nothing to do with hail this week. (laughs) And I know there's certain people out there that have mentioned to me, hey, when are you going to get back to anything but work? We love your job. We love that you enjoy your work. But uh, yeah, we want you to talk about the stuff that matters to us. So anyways, um, this is season two. I took a couple weeks off and we're firing it back up. I've got um, a host of new topics that I want to discuss. I need to get some clarity on that, though. I was talking to a friend of mine the um, past couple days here, and I'm like, I think I got writer's block because there's so much that I want to talk about, but I need to formulate it in a way and put it down so the season, um, you know, makes some sort of sense on a grand scale. So that's what I'm going to try to do so that I am prepared for next week. All right. So um, reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with you. Also, I would ask that you follow me on Instagram.com. Um, Instagram, is it Instagram.com? I don't know if it's Instagram. Instagram, I don't think I need to say .com anymore. I think everybody pretty much gets that. So follow me on Instagram. I'm at the Robert Argyle. The Robert Argyle. I post some cool stuff up there. Um, You know, at least I think it's cool. But I post some stuff up there uh, about my daily travels and stuff like that. I have some fun with it. Um, It's not serious at all. Um, I put some quotes up there that... um, I connect with on a 
regular basis. Also, if you could go to my Facebook page, Robert E. Argyle, that's my Facebook uh, professional business page. Um, I share some cool stuff up on there. I think you might like that. And then you could always go to robertargyle.com. That's my blog. That's for the body shop owners and insurance professionals that are looking for more information about proper hail management. Check us out there. Um, and I would appreciate that. Lastly, if you know somebody that might connect with this message, all I would ask is that you share it up. So thank you folks for listening. I'm glad to be back. Uh, start looking out for my regular weekly podcasts again after my two-week hiatus. Um, love you all and make it a great day. Bye-bye.